Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing Game of Thrones Season 3, Episode 10, Misa. Misa is directed by David Nutter. Written by George R. R. Martin, David Benioff, D.B. Weiss. Brand and company travel beyond the wall. Sam returns to Castle Black. John says goodbye to Egret. Jamie returns to King's Landing. The Night's Watch asks help from Stannis. So just as I suspected in the first two um, finale seasons that this was going to be a massive endeavor to do these um, Game of Thrones recaps. And so this is probably where my my knowledge of things is going to start getting a little wonky and a little bit crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize for any facts that I might uh, present that are slightly off. There's so many different names and places and, uh, and you know, bits and detailed information that I don't think I'm going to be able to get everything 100% right. So this is strictly just very loosely uh, recapped base podcast. It's not going to be, you know, 100%. If I fuck some shit up that's really bad, I'll just, you know, fix it in the show notes. But otherwise, just know that I've loosely been watching the Game of Thrones um, seasons, and these are not strict, strictly detailed. But... Um, you know, as I always say, with saying that, there's always caveats. I'm always about the caveats. With caveats, you know, uh, the caveat being um, that there are tonal differences between the first three seasons, and that's kind of why I wanted to rewatch it and see if they how how the um, show held up. And um, for anyone that has not seen past season three, you know, uh, they have not seen season four and up. This is okay to listen to for right now. I will let you know when we discuss um, spoilers, and when we jump into spoilers, they're going to be spoilers for um, seasons, um, f- you know, four through, um, uh, four up. So, um, right now we are in the spoiler-free zone, so um, we're good for anyone that's seen seasons one through three. So um, let's do a quick um, rundown of what's happened since um, season two, if we can. I know there's there's just tons of things that you know that we would have to go over to ab- absolutely pass everything, um, you know, to to come to understand everything. But season three is without a doubt one of the biggest seasons of uh, Game of Thrones television that is. Um, forever changing the landscape and narrative of, uh, you know, cinematic television. I think that everyone knows, um, since you've seen episode nine of Game of Thrones season three, season three, episode nine, Reigns of Castamere, um, it, you, I think I might've sort of said maybe a small spoiler in the first season or second season's recap, but, I said that the good guys might not win, and this is kind of what I meant by that. I mean, this is, um, it was incredible in in the worst ways is what I meant. Basically, how many television shows do you know that will kill some of the top protagonists plus the 
plus the parents, plus the love interest, plus um, plus our, one of our main characters, all in like one scene. It is it it's horrific to watch. First of all, the Reigns of Castamere, um rewatching it, it still holds up. It's it the majority of it really holds up, with the exception of the sad music. Um, I guess this is kind of where we're going to start, but Lady Catelyn, uh, Lady Stark already, she notices almost immediately once the sad music starts to play, once the Reigns of Castamere starts to play, that something is up. And when I, you know, going back and rewatching the Game of Thrones season three, I was like, I wanted to see the dominoes that were leading towards um, Rob Stark's and Catelyn Stark's demise and overall the Stark house in general. Um, and generally watching it, you see, you know, just the, the unfortunate effects that happen. But Walder Frey, oh my God, this guy is just terrible. This bad news bears all over. And uh, he's, he, his performance is, is amazing because he has so little screen time. Uh, I, I need to find his name. What's his place that plays Walter Frey? Um, but the guy from Harry Potter, he's, uh, he, he plays the hell out of him. And, uh, David Bradley. Yeah. He plays the hell out of, uh, Walter Frey. And, um, because he has such limited time, he has to really lay it on thick. And even from the first scene, I don't rem- like re- you know the first time you watch it, you don't really you're not really taking you know appreciation of what what everyone is saying and how relevant it is at the time. But I mean seriously, the uh, <laughs> um, the the way that Walter Frey acts in the first, I mean interaction with Rob Stark, his wife, and his mother. I mean he's just a, a dick from. Um, you know, the first time they meet. So I, going back and rewatching it, it's a lot more, you know, foreboding about what's going to happen. And there's, you know, stark men that are starting to doubt Rob as he's going to war. And that should have been, you know, a telltale sign that, you know, you got to watch out for some of these, you know, individuals. I think it was Car Stark was one of them. Um, they ended up killing some Lannister boys. I, th- I think it was Karstark. Um, so between uh, the whole Stark, um, you know, slaughter, red wedding of it all, yeah, it, that is a crazy freaking episode to see all that go down. And you do, just as a viewer, you're you're not expecting, you know, half the protagonist to go down in one scene. In such a horrific way. I mean, you know, stabbing the wife and 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 uh, and baby, you destroying everybody and destroying houses. And so, um, Walter Frey evidently knows how the game's played for you know for better or for worse. Um, between all of uh, all of the craziness, Brienne of Torth and um, Jamie Lannister have been going on their own expedition and they've been trying to get Jamie back to King's Landing and they've kind of, they're shuffled all the way into the hands of Stannis and uh, by episode 10, you know, it's it, it, it's time for the uh, reunion. And uh, seeing, seeing Jamie lose his hand again, I mean, 
One one thing about him losing his hand is it's not very uh the effects don't look as great. Um but um it definitely looks like his hand like just chilling right there, but it's got to be difficult from a costume perspective to have to deal with all of that. You know, you just having to always have like a little like nub right there um to cover the actor's hand, so it's got to be a little bit more difficult. And uh yeah, so let me see where we are in the whole realm of it all. Let's see. All right, so season three, episode 10, directed by David Nutter, starts out with uh, the men shouting right outside of uh, the Red Wedding, and there's a, obviously a, a kind of a, a small battle. You know, it's a small upheaval going on i'd say it's i guess you call it a civil war um but the start men are all getting you know flamed on they're getting stabbed and killed and all you know pretty much the worst of the worst is going on and uh people are just getting fucked up so i think oh damn people are getting hung too so uh yeah, it, it it's pretty traumatizing what's going on with the 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 ending of the red wedding. We see the council come together with Tyrion, Joffrey, Varys, and Cersei. And some of these scenes around the table are some of the best, in my opinion. I'm I'm glad they're not having to eat and anything, so you don't have to worry about that. But th- this is like some of the best dialogue that you can get. Um, between characters, especially with the power dynamic between um, Joffrey and uh, Lord Tywin. It, it It is amazing to see Tywin just command the fucking room. I know I probably said that in the first, uh, first or second recap, but good lord, he just runs up, runs up in there and runs this shit. I mean, that's all you can say about it. I mean, it, he's so confident in his ability to run the kingdom, and he knows that I think he even says that wearing a, a crown does not make you the most powerful man on, you know, Westeros or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> um, seeing him, you know, wrestle Tywin to the ground is uh, pretty crazy. Um, the scene with, I think this next scene leads into uh, Tyrion basically finding out from his father saying that, you know, he wanted him to... to uh, to kill his son when he was first born. And, uh, we do know that Tyrion was, when he was born, he, his mother, um, passed away and they definitely blame him for it. Um, but there is tons of guilt that is, that are, that is being laid at the hands of, uh, uh, Tyrion. Um, flash on over to Bran. We have, uh, we, I have not really gotten to talk about Mira and Jojen and Hodor and, all you know that crew um they are having to go to north of the wall they need to go north of the wall because of jojen's uh brand you know jojen brand having their vision type stuff going on and uh that's basically what's going on over there um i would say i do enjoy jojen and uh mira's i think her name's mira um his sister's um, his sister, um, I really like their performance. They kind of come in just abruptly and out of nowhere in season three, and they they mesh nice with the uh, 
Asha and um, and Rickon and Hodor and everyone. Um, I would say Asha, or I think I'm saying Asha wrong, but um, she's excellent in this series, and I don't feel like she gets enough credit. Um, I, she she gets um, a decent amount of screen time when it comes to having Bran on the screen. But I didn't realize how much she was commanding the screen as, as much as she was. Also, Bran in this um, next scene, he's uh, kind of describing uh, what Walter Frey was actually doing, basically committing, uh, what is it called, Civil War. And yeah, Bran is getting tall as shit, I would say. He's... Uh, as a, as the actor, I didn't really realize that the first time, but uh, he's uh, he's growing. He's growing like a little weed. Um, flash on over to Walter Frey and Stannis discussing, um, you know, the, the next few lateral moves that will happen throughout the next uh, course of the Freys and the, and the Boltons. Um, also, flash on over to, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. Um, Theon and Ramsey. So season three is not as heavy into the crazy murder aspect as season two was. So season two had this, um, what would you call it? This massive cloud of, I don't know, darkness that was hovering over everyone, that everyone knew there was something bad was happening and there's death happening kind of behind doors. And we saw like baby murder and, you know, um, you know, brutal deaths throughout season two. But I don't think we got a, any type of torture the way we get in season three with Theon and the way it's, it's portrayed not only through, uh, you know, physical pain but psychological pain i mean mental he's breaking this guy's spirit and season three episode 10 becomes the creation of reek and by then ramsey has um removed his genitals and convinced him to a certain extent, that his name is Reek. And I completely forgot that he was calling him Reek because he was, um, he, he smelled bad. But I mean, he's a, you're torturing a guy right there. I mean, what would you, what would you expect? He smelled good? What, so, um, he's, he's just a fucking psychopath. And for someone to come on screen and be, as crazy, if not crazier than Joffrey, then I couldn't wait for these characters to become or to come in the same room because this is like the Clash of the Titans. I imagine Joffrey and Ramsay in the same room. I mean, it just it'd be fucking chaos. I wonder, wonder what who would win. Um, so. By the end of the Ramsey Theon scene, after he's uh, tortured him just a tad bit more, punched him, beaten the shit out of him, um, he's he's convinced him he's Reek and not Theon Greyjoy. So, 
hop on over to well, we're back with Bran, Hodor, and Jojen and Mir. Um, Sam, Tolly, and Gilly uh, bump into Bran and Hodor and company, and uh, basically explain what's going on and you know that you know where John will be and how to um how to find him. And so, uh, you know, basically, I believe it's by this time, Sam has already defeated at least one um, White Walker with the Dragonglass. And he actually gives some of the Dragonglass to uh, Bran and company. And uh, throughout most of this episode, a lot of it is the, um, (laughs) the, the families finding out terrible fucking news. And so um, the next scene is Theon's father um, receiving some sort of terrible poetic letter of um, is more or less a threat. So um, Lord Greyjoy is reading all of the, the letter while um, Yara is opening up the box which has Theon's genitals in there. And, um, it's interesting because they leave Yara in a very interesting place that makes it seem like you're about to go on a fucking, uh, hype-ass avenging, um, adventure with her. And she's like, fuck you, dad, you know, I'm about to go save my brother kind of shit. And you're like, damn hype. I remember this, um, remember watching it the first time because I think I was watching fourth season a while back, um, I was watching Fourth Season live. So, um, then in between that, it shows uh, Brandon Sam getting the um, exchanging glass, the uh, the uh, dragon glass, and how he defeated it. I didn't realize that Sam had had so much dragon glass. I remember that he dropped the uh, he dropped the glass that he stabbed the original White Walker with, but I didn't realize he had, like, a, a ton more, so it's, I guess that's good to have that um, with him, absolutely. Um, Davos and Gendry are in the next scene talking, you know, about being, uh, you know, of similar uh, ranks. They were both from Flea Bottom, and they're both, you know, poor, and they've kind of grown up in similar positions. Um well, sort of. I don't know if you want to say sort of same positions, but they they've grown up in peculiar positions. And one thing about Davos is when he lost his son, I feel like they kind of haven't addressed it as much, and I think they just kind of just dropped that plot line. Uh, Tyrion um, in second season blows up Davos' son, and Davos barely makes it out alive, but um, he never talks about his son really that uh, hardly at all. Um, I don't know, just kind of feels, feels more or less like a dropped plot line. So, next scene is Varys convincing, is Varys trying to convince Shay with the diamonds that he needs to, um, she needs to leave King's Landing, and she ultimately doesn't belong with the, uh, Tyrion Lannister. And uh, she's highly bothered by that, and it seems that Varys has enough money that he could try to buy her off, but it doesn't exactly work. So maybe it's not about the money. Maybe she really does care about him. 
next scene is uh, Tyrion and uh, Cersei discussing, um, you know, family dis, you know, family problems as usual. Um, she talks about you know Marcella and you know their predicament that um, you know having to give Marcella to to Dorn, the family of Dorn. I think that's Tyrell's. And um, let me think what else. Uh, um, Tywin, Tywin, Tyrion and Cersei have had an interesting relationship for the majority of seasons one through three. Clearly she hasn't liked him. Around season two, um, Joffrey orders one of his knight king's guard to try to kill Tyrion. Tyrion finds out that it wasn't Cersei, but Cersei still is not crazy about him. It's it's a back and forth type thing going on, and it's uh, it's an interesting power dynamic that I'm not sure is a hundred percent. I won't say too much um, for spoiler for spoilers. Um, next scene was Arya and the Hound. They're uh, going through the woods, and they they uh, I think they come across some Bolton men. And Arya goes off on him and uh, fucks him up. And I believe that was the... F- we find out that was the first man that Arya kills. Um, or has killed. And she flips her little coin and she says, Valar Magolus. Which we believe summons the... F- the Jock and Hagar. Um, flash on over to... Jon Snow, after he's run away from Egret and company, uh, Egret torment and whatnot, Egret runs and finds him, and Jon is so sure that you know he lo- he loves her, but he can't um, he can't you know run away with her, and he says, I, you know, I love you, but you know this, and I know you won't won't shoot me, and I know you won't kill me, and. Uh, she, he's totally wrong. He's totally fucking wrong. She shoots the fuck out of him, and not only once, she shoots him three good times: once in the back, and I think one in the leg, and then another time in the back again. I don't. It, it looks terrible. I don't. I don't even remember how deep those things. Are. I mean, that would fucking be like trying to remove that. But um, the chemistry Egret and John have on screen, I forgot how great it was. I, I, I. Just the beginning of their relationship is so great um, and so, I don't know, passionate. You can tell that they really have on-screen chemistry in real life as well, which is probably why they got married. Um, Sam and Tali show up at Castle Black and um, Maester, uh, what's-his-face? Jesus, what is his face? Um uh, y'all gonna kill me. You're gonna be, oh my gosh, you don't know his name. Um, what is his name? He is Maester. There's so many Maesters and Masters, and I'll find it two seconds. Um, Maester Eamon. Jeez. Yeah, Maester Eamon says it's okay for Gilly to stay, and Sam makes a pretty uh, compelling argument to say that she is part of the realm and throwing babies out with, you know, and wives in in the cold is just not um, acceptable. Um, 
Next scene is Davos and Stannis' daughter. Um, Stan, uh, Davos learns, um, is learning how to read through her. Um, yeah, I always thought that was a really endearing scene, but I don't know. It, it, I'm just going to say that. It's, it's a really endearing scene. The whole time that we're with Stannis, I had no idea this is where uh, Khaleesi was originally born, and that, that was her home. So, uh, let's see. Stannis basically says that we have to take Gendry, and we have to kill him. And so Davos says, hell no, and lets Gendry um, hop in a boat and row until he can't any longer. And we know Gendry can't. Swim, so if he falls out of the boat, he's fucked. So, uh, until next season, I, I don't even know what, what we should be expecting for Gendry. Um, let's see. Next. Next scene! John sees Sam and Pip. He's at uh, landed at Castle Black, and that's about it. Cersei... It's the next scene. Cersei and Jamie finally come back together. I mean, I can't remember the last time they were in the same room. Um, like season one, maybe? I feel like they aren't in the same room for a very long time. Because, I mean, Jamie was uh, captured by Catelyn Stark. I mean, episode eight or nine of season one is what it feels like. I, I, I might be wrong. But uh, it seemed very early. Let me think. So, let's see. We are back with... Well, let me say let me say a few things about that. Jamie and Cersei have had a very interesting relationship. And I find it interesting to see her reaction when Jamie arrives without a hand. Back. To Stannis and the Red Woman. They are obviously extremely pissed about Gendry getting away. And uh, Davos being a part of that. So he sentences... uh, Stannis sentences Davos to die. But the Red Woman uh, unexpectedly says... Davos will be part of the big war. And... I can't help but say this is deus ex red woman i don't know i feel like anyone that wouldn't be davos in this position would be automatically sent to death i mean i just it 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 did not ring believable in my opinion that this would this is what would happen um episode 10 being misa we are 57 minutes in and there's still 14 minutes left i was like why the fuck is this called misa so next scene, we go to, um, oh, well, by the way, Davos gets saved by the Red Woman, saying that he needs to be part of the the, the big war. Um, Danny waits outside with the first army she's con- she's conquered which was the unsullied around episode 4 or 5 which 
I believe at the end of this episode means that she has obtained two villages and maybe one and a half armies, two two armies. She's obtained tons of people. Now, the problem with this next scene with Khaleesi, uh, you know, relinquishing these people, um, this is extremely white savior um, complex. This is, we need, you know, somebody to, you know, like, a quote-unquote Jesus Christ figure um, to stand around and, you know, worship. And originally watching this, I had no problem. No problem with uh, Khaleesi unleashing the people. But if you're going to portray only people of color as slaves and no one really, no one that is a lord or high ship is, you know, of color... It says a little something about the slantedness of uh, of the production. I I don't know if they should have um, gone full-on slave mode and only had people of color as slaves. Now, I do see Unsullied that are, you know, people of color, but they don't have anyone that really on the Game of Thrones uh, main cast is of color. And so it... It's uh, a little bit difficult to rewatch this because it doesn't um, it doesn't age well in my opinion. Just because we are you know quote unquote slightly more woke, we we kind of see how it is a little bit too um, pandering in a way, I would say, and it doesn't make the people look you know terribly smart, and it doesn't give them terribly much agency, and her. Um, her co-command, uh, uh, let me see what her name is, um, oh, Khaleesi's, um, what is her name, uh, Khaleesi's, okay, uh, Melisandre, um, no, not Melisandre, Missande, sorry, Missande, um, Missande is of color as well, but it does very much seem like a white savior complex, even though it's got that incorporated in it. And so it's uh, it's got awesome visuals is what I'd say. I, I think the cinematography and the visuals of all of season three are have been amazing. And almost every episode of season three feels like it's a season finale. And uh, I'd say... The cinematography and, you know, uh, the majority of it looks really good with uh, with having this uh, <laughs> this white savior complex kind of like circling Khaleesi. Oh, whoops. Uh, Siri doesn't like that. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so I, I like... I like the visual. I don't like the concept. So that's that's really all I'm going to say about that. Um, season 3, episode 10, is probably one of the better um, season finales. Maybe slightly more hopeful than some of them. Um, that's about all I can say for the spoiler section, spoiler-free section. If you like this, please let me know. If you didn't like it, let me know how I can improve. Uh, this has been a massive endeavor to try to just capture, you know, these Game of Thrones episodes. So getting what, you know, what thoughts we can out is uh, 
what we're striving for at the moment. Um, and yeah, and so close it, close out the podcast just like the 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 thing with the big old dragon screech. Um, so anything else that we need to talk about from maybe a spoiler point of view, we're going to discuss that right now. So by now, I would have expected you, if you're still listening, to have listened or to have watched, sorry, to have watched Game of Thrones season four and up. And uh, we'll go through the episode just real briskly um, discussing some things in spoiler detail that I noticed throughout the 10th episode of season three. And I'll try to touch on some small things throughout season three as well, not just the final episode. Um, Season three, episode 10, um, really feels like the turning point of Game of Thrones. You can still feel George Martin's um, tug and feel at the show. As we know, by season six, there's a little bit more leeway towards fan-favorite characters. Now, when I say that, I'm strictly talking about bringing Jon Snow back. I'm talking about not killing Jaime when there's a dragon going after him. I'm talking about, you know, some of these major characters that are in life-threatening situations that if it was in the first three seasons, they would have been killed. I think that the showrunners, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, are just being a little bit too shy about killing some of the best characters, and they're waiting until the last season, season eight, which is one we have not seen yet, um, for better or for worse. One thing that you have to realize in Game of Thrones is almost nobody dies a great death except, you know, a happy death, or if that's if that's makes sense, you know. Nobody dies um, well. It's always like a murder or they're killed, or it's or something terrible happens to them. Um, just so many times you're ta- you're looking between characters and thinking, "Oh my gosh, these people are going to get fucked up by episode so and so." You know, um, I mean, there's 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 several scenes where I'm thinking at, you know, I'm I'm thinking you know Joffrey, I'm thinking Tywin. I'm thinking Master Pycelle, all these people <laughs> die in very terrible deaths, and this is they're all in the same scene. Um, let me see what else we got. Uh, Tywin. I, I don't know if I talked about enough about Tywin. I think I, I probably have, but this guy is damn good. I need to check to see if this dude won Oscars for, or Emmys for this because, God dang, he is just... Uh, I don't know. He is just crazy, crazy. So let's uh, hop on over to get this shit on down to the road. Um, he's a terrible fucking father. Um, you can definitely see by if you rewatched episode one of Game of Thrones why all these you know Lannister kids are fucking terrible fucking people. And hell, Tywin doesn't fucking break a break eye contact at all. He is... He, he really fucking hates people. <laughs> and you can see how the hate spread. Um, Tyrion is forced to marry Sansa 
um, during season three. And I completely forgot about this part. Uh, Sansa finding out about her, her uh, brother and mother. I mean, she has to be destroyed by this point. I mean, she's forced into the Lannister family. Her mother, her father, her brother, all dead. All fucking dead. And, I mean, what do you, what do you expect her to do? Um, just fucking brutal. Knowing where um, Bran and Hodor and company end up, um, it's great to see them. I can definitely see why they took Bran and company out of, uh, was it season six? But when he came back, he was like a foot taller. So, uh, I don't know. You win some, you lose some. I thought that this was the season that we lost uh, Jojen, but this is not. This I think that's the end of season four. Um, going on to uh, Ramsey and Theon... Um, well, back up a little bit, sorry, before then, we have Walder Frey and Stannis, both of those motherfuckers get fucked up later, I mean, one of them gets, in the, uh, both of them get stabbed in some sort of way, um, uh, <laughs> and one of them ends up eating their, their son in a pie or something like that, um, Theon and Ramsay, Ramsay gets eaten by a dog, uh, later, but, uh, Theon, he is tortured to fucking, like, no end, and, uh, I'm kind of glad I rewatched this just to find out why he called him Reek, I completely forgot why he called him Reek, and, uh, that's just ridiculous, um, the torture was just, uh, it was hard to watch, but nothing more than Hannibal, I thought Hannibal was some of the worst when it came down to it, um, so, Back on Bran and Sam, we already saw this, Bran, Bran going, Shay and Varys again, we know what happens to Shay, she should have left King's Landing, we know what's gonna fucking happen, get out of fucking King's Landing, we know what you're gonna do, um, don't fuck Tywin, too late, um, Cersei and Tyrion are some of the strongest of the game, we, you know, we, we, never really discuss them too much um about why they are long-lasting players in the game but i mean they know how to play the game and they they strictly they they talk about it as well and they're forced to do things they don't want to like marry certain people who they they shouldn't have or they shouldn't they don't want to and they have to do things because the family name um so we have uh uh, there's nothing really with Arya. We know she kills these guys and who she goes on to kill later. And she uh, summons Valar Magrulis later and she gets go. She has to go to the faceless place or something and get blinded by the J- Jack and Hagar, which becomes ultimately just like a fucking runaround of a fucking season. I don't know. It was, it was a lot to handle. Um, and she had to go see like Game of Thrones live you know, theater mode, and we had to watch it, I don't know, that was, that was a, that's gonna be interesting if we get to season six and decide to cover it, just, uh, fuck it, um, Davos and Stannis' daughter, oh my gosh, Shireen, I, I think her name was Shireen, uh, oh my gosh, I am not looking forward to seeing her have to burn and whatnot, fuck the red woman, I'm so tired of her, um, and her fucking dirty magic, 
Get that dirty magic out of here. <laughs> um, Gendry leaving on the boat. I remember seeing this the first time, and I was like, God dang. I don't think we see this kid for, like, in real time. I don't think we saw him, like, for five years. But he was, like, rowing for, like, a month is what it seems like. I don't know. It didn't make any sense where this guy had been. and He didn't age that much. And I forgot that Gendry and Arya were kind of a thing. I wonder if that's going to be, if that's ever going to come back. Um Jamie and Cersei reuniting is kind of a big deal. I think they're both still alive. Yeah, they are. I personally think, uh, I already said this in the first uh, first half, but Davos definitely should have died. This was a little bit of plot convenience because I did like how the Red Woman was the one to say that he needs to stay alive, but I was just like, ah, this guy definitely is going to go down. Um, but yeah, and then we flash on over to finally Khaleesi absorbing the, uh, the, uh, I don't even know where the hell she is. Is this, is this Karth? Young Kai? I think it's Young Kai. Releasing the people of Young Kai. I just, I liked Misa in the concept. I didn't like the white savior concept. Um, we see this go on later for several more seasons that this kind of like slave mentality only really happens to the people of, uh, color. And it's just a little bit, uh, it's, it's, it's a part of Game of Thrones that really needed to be <laughs> addressed then. And they, they decided that even though that there is this, uh, you know, mystical place that people of color still need to be the ones that, are shackled up and it's like if you're gonna make a mystical place that doesn't always need to be the the case so i don't know it's a little bit of that um but yeah i once again i loved the first three seasons of game of thrones i think each one has its own individual tone and flavor i would say just the first season has this world building like no other um and it's unpredictable by the end of it season two really delves deeper into the uh the politics of the world um season and political you know drama and upheaval season three is just turns everything on its head most people say there's a dip in quality from season two to three in some seasons of television i think it only gets better each season and you i think you can tell just by the uh I believe you can tell just from the budget, I, I, the 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 cinematography, the effects, all of them look so much better um, in you know progressing seasons. Starting you know once you see Black the Battle of Blackwater in season two, you're like, oh shit, they can do. Once you see Ned Stark's head come off in season one, you're like, oh shit, this shit's unpredictable. Season two, you see Blackwater, you're like, oh shit, they can do massive fucking. Uh, battles season three you're like holy fuck they are torturing the fuck out of people taking people out destroying the protagonist and turning everyone you know turning everything on his head you're like how the fuck can this get any crazier and we know by season four it can get fucking crazy i think season four is the the wave of uh of uh i don't know craziness that you want to see happen uh, within Game of Thrones by the time it gets there. But season five, it's just like, we know, we know season five just did not live up to how good the first four seasons were. So 
we'll keep that in mind. Hopefully it's not as bad as we remember. Uh, I've kind of already started the season four already, uh, season four episodes one, two, um, where you get the, the, the Viper in that. And I love the fucking Viper. He is fucking crazy. And, um, I'm looking forward to seeing him do some of these crazy moves on the Lannisters and getting some Lannister tail wit. Um, it sucks that we're going to lose Tywin at the end of season four because I think that guy is such a, a major power in the um, in the Game of Thrones pantheon. And, uh, yeah, we, we know it's going to happen, but it's still a hell of a ride just watching it. So thank you for listening, Lucky Dog Podcast. Um, I'm not going to go through all the stuff because we've been on here forever. So um, check out the library for anything else. Check out the show notes for anything else um, regarding... Um, corrections, if we have more podcasts, if you want to check out more seasons, one, two, three, four, um, uh, recaps, that type of thing. It's all in the show notes or just subscribe. Uh, Subscriptions and ratings obviously help us grow our channel. Let us know how we can improve. If we want to get a little bit more uh, in-depth or if you wanted like a book specialist, I guess you could could request that, but I'm not really sure if we want to go in that much depth depth because we want to um, kind of keep this loose and free form just in case people have not read the books as well. So let's uh, let's close out here. Thank you for listening. Lucky Dog Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, concerns, and uh, thank you.